This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 124. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Today we're going to talk about cachaça, which is the national spirit of Brazil. And we're going to talk to the owner of LeBlanc Cachaça, and his name is Steve Luckman. And uh, we had a great conversation, and we're going to do a little uh, class on how to make a great caparinga. Caparinga. He's going to pronounce, he's going to uh, correct my pronunciation of that too in the interview because I say it wrong every time, don't I? Anyway, uh, before we get to that, we have to talk about uh, something, a sad thing that happened in the, in the bartending community this past week as I record this. Today's August the 24th. Sasha Petreski passed away and uh, sad news, only 42 years old and uh, I never had the pleasure of meeting the man, but um, he founded Milk and Honey in 1999. And if you read the uh, New York Times, uh, well, I'll quote a little bit from the New York Times article Mr. Petreski's role in the modern cocktail revival is difficult to overstate. The opening of Milk and Honey in 1999 in a narrow space on a dark, little populated block of the Lower East Side has been called instrumental in the revival of cocktail culture across the United States and beyond. That little bar uh, was a very small bar and uh, eventually uh, moved to uh, moved uptown a little bit to 23rd Street. And uh, that was a nice, that was a great spot. And uh, unfortunately, the building it was in was sold and they were going to rip down the building. So they ended up closing Milk and Honey, uh, New York. There's still uh, Milk and Honey in London. And uh, there's going to be a tribute to Sasha at Milk and Honey London uh, at 10 from 9 to 10 p.m. Uh, on Monday, August the 31st, and also uh, at the Pegu Club in Manhattan, uh, also 9 to 10 p.m. local time. Uh, the uh, recommendation is if uh, you'd like to pay tribute and can't make it to one of those two locations to just make yourself a daiquiri and toast Sasha uh, at 9 o'clock in your local time. The daiquiri was uh, rumored to be Sasha's favorite cocktail, and uh, if you'd like to join in this tribute, I'll be doing it myself. I'll be mixing up a nice daiquiri. I like to make my classic daiquiri with one and a half ounce of light rum or silver rum, one ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, and three quarters ounce of simple syrup. So I uh, just shake that up and strain it, double strain it into a chilled coupe glass, and that'll be our uh, that'll be our classic daiquiri in memory of Sasha Petrensky. Sasha never did write a book. Uh, you can, um, f- if you haven't seen the Hey Bartender movie, you should you should see that, and uh, he he's uh, featured in that movie. So uh, you can find that on uh, Netflix and also on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'll put a link up to it on uh, bartenderjourney.net. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely check that out. I have a few quotes here from Sasha that I'd uh, just like to read for you. He famously said, bartending is a simple thing, not a question of skill. It's a question of character. That's a great quote. Here's a, here's a longer one, which I saw on Twitter, and I have not been able to uh, find the source of this, where he said it, if he wrote it down, or it was quoted uh, in an interview. Or, But uh, according to what I read here, Sasha said, We are craftsmen. We are not artists, nor mixologists, nor bar chefs, just bartenders, doing something that, although quite simple, few bars can manage to do. We make cocktails as well as can be made, and that should not be such a big deal. At Milk and Honey, our standard is offhand excellence. You must take each shift as another opportunity to improve your craft, another opportunity to lose your self-consciousness, even though you are performing your task in front of an audience. It may be impossible to have a perfect shift, but each night we try anyway. Great words there from Sasha. So, as I said, 
9 p.m. Eastern time for me on Monday, August 31st. I'll be raising a daiquiri, a classic daiquiri, to uh, Sasha's memory. A great man who left us way too soon. All right, moving on from there. Uh, Bartender Journey got a bit of a facelift recently. So uh, bartenderjourney.net, I should say, the website uh, that goes along with this podcast, got a bit of a facelift recently. So uh, please go over to bartenderjourney.net and uh, take a look. Let me know uh, what you think. If uh, you have any comments, please let me know. You can leave comments right there on Bartender Journey. Uh, under each posting, you could, there's a spot to leave a comment, so please do. Or you can always get in touch with me at barkeep tips. I have a brand new email address. It's brian at bartenderjourney.net, so you can get me that way. And uh, what else? Oh, I should mention the Facebook page, of course, is uh, Bartender Journey. Search Facebook for Bartender Journey and like it. Speaking of new and improved websites, the Tales of the Cocktail website has gotten a huge overhaul. It's been completely redone. And uh, this is the press release sent to me by my friend Christine Bondick. It says, uh, now Tales of the Cocktail is an industry go-to for all things cocktail related, whether you're at the festival or searching the internet. The site is growing and evolving. We cannot be happier to offer this free content to our followers and friends. Yeah, it's it's great. There's a lot of uh, great information on there. It's all uh, at, provided at no charge. And uh, take a look at that. Of course, on TalesOfTheCocktail.com, there's a tribute to Sasha Petrensky. And uh, here's a quote from Ann Tuneman, founder of Tales of the Cocktail. He was a true visionary that helped to usher in a cocktail renaissance and shape the industry into what it is today. I hope industry members around the world will take a moment to share a toast to one of our pioneers. Very nice. All right, we're going to talk to Steve Luckman, and we're going to talk all about cachaça. And we're going to uh, talk about cachaça, and we're going to have a caparinga lesson, caparinga cocktail, of course, the classic, the uh, national cocktail of Brazil, and uh, delicious cocktail. And he's going to teach us how to make a great one uh, in the classic style and uh, not so classic, maybe. Uh, he's also going to tell us how, we, how you can get a free muddler. Stay tuned through the whole interview and to the very end of the podcast for our toast. Hey, I'm going to post up the video from this conversation uh, as well so you can uh, you can see our conversation and, and see our Caparinga lesson, and I'll post that up on bartenderjourney.net along with the audio. All right, here we go. Let's talk to Steve. Right uh, on. How you doing? Cool, man. Great. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing real good. This is awesome that we were able to set this up. I'm so glad. Yeah. So you're in Brazil, eh? I'm not. I just got back. Oh, okay. Uh, I was there two and a half weeks until Sunday. When did I get back? Monday. Okay. Monday. Yeah. Great trip. Great time. I was in Sao Paulo, but then I um, we went to a place called Bonito. Have you been to Brazil? I never. Never, never been to South America. The, so there's this part of the Brazil uh, that you go west near the Pantanal, in the southern part of the Pantanal, which is a big swampland called Bonito. B-O-N-I-T-O, like the fish. Okay. And uh, great rivers and wildlife and whatnot. And uh, you go swimming in the rivers there, and it's like swimming in an aquarium. The water is like crystal clear. Oh, nice. And uh, you got fish swimming all over the place. So <laughs> I had a great time. Amazing. You know? Yeah. And, uh, Only issue is I got chiggers on my, on my ankles that bit up my ankles quite bad. So uh, <laughs> they're in that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, well, as long as it's contained to your ankles. <laughs> yes, yeah, indeed. So, uh, congrats on your podcast. Nice job. I really like. I just listened to a bunch, and I was like, "Wow, this is great." Oh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. Yes, and, and uh, I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts lately, and uh, and I like your uh, your your whole gig. It's great. Oh, thank you. Fantastic for our industry, obviously. So yeah, it is. It's great, you know. And I've been I've learned so much doing it myself. I mean, I I wouldn't even right. want to listen to those early episodes because there, there was so much that I didn't know at that time, you know. 
but as I as I learned, you know, and, and started attending the events and meeting all these people, it's been uh, it's been well. The bartender journey was a perfect name for it, really, because that's exactly what it was, you know. Right, right. It's been great. So, how, how long have you uh, your your family owned this company for many years, or what's so ten years? I started in two, uh, in uh, in September two thousand. Well, no, actually May two thousand five. Okay. So 10 years exactly. Uh, well, let's get this right out of the way, first of all. I, I'm, yeah. I'm pronouncing it correctly, yeah? Kishasa? <laughs> Kishasa, right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, a lot and Kaparinga. And Kaiparinya. You got right on the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And a lot of people struggle with Kishasa. They usually are dyslexic and they say, uh, instead of Kishasa, they say Kasasha and put the sh on mm. the back part. Uh huh. Yeah. That's a big habit in the U.S. I, I'm sure there's like, some psychoanalytical reason why, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> and it's made with uh, sugar cane juice, right? So raw cane juice. Okay. Uh, you take the raw cane juice. You you know you 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 know um, uh, cane juice in, in many parts of the world. A lot of people just drink cane juice. It's called caldo de cana in in Brazil, uh, guarapa, uh, and throughout Latin America. But in Brazil, a lot of people drink uh, cane juice uh, fresh. You know. Uh, in Brazil, they drink it uh, with a pastel, kind of like a fried ravioli. Um, but in other parts of the world, Pakistan, Egypt, it's a national drink uh, all through South, Southeast Asia. And it's very healthy for you. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know it. I mean, I've, I've been around it 10 years going to the distillery and it has a lot of uh, uh, very low in glycemic index. I mean, it's, it's not, you think sugar cane, it's going to be terrible for you. But it's got like a 32 glycemic index. It's high in antioxidants. Very, uh, uh, you know, that in itself is an interesting product. Uh, but yes, and that's your question. Kishas is made from raw cane juice. You, you, you know, you sque- squeeze the cane, um, and then the juice you you take and you ferment it just like you would uh, a wine until mm-hmm. uh, it gets about seven eight percent alcohol, and then then you distill it. You know, in, in whichever way you distill. You know, we distill in in copper allen beak pot stills and. And then, then nice. it becomes uh, a nice spirit. So it's uh, obviously high in sugar, right? So it must be uh, you're adding. You know what? It, it is not high as much in as sugar, you think. But you know what? Um, it's not any more than orange juice. So mm. I always wonder why don't you ferment and distill orange juice? I mean, mm. that could be another top for a program. But uh, it's about fifteen percent sugar, uh, which is high. I mm. mean, it's not. Uh, you know, it means it's eighty-five percent liquid, but it's about fifteen percent uh, sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Um, uh, it's enough to give you a good, good solid fermentation and distillation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we ferment for, it's, it's about uh, 20, uh, 24 hours, uh-huh. and then we go to the distillation Okay, right from there. And it's, it, just tell us about sort of the uh, tradition in Brazil of, of cachaça. So, so cachaça has been around since um, the 1530s. So the, the Republic of Brazil was founded in January 1st, 1500. And cachaça was created in 1530s. Uh, I wasn't there, so this is just <laughs> uh, um, so. It's actually the first spirit of the Americas. Uh, it was created up in in the, in the northeast of Brazil in Pernambuco. Um, it was the first time it was you know historically referred to. And actually, a hundred years before, uh, actually, rum was was uh, created for the first time in the Caribbean. Wow. And um, the, the actual first, the predecessor to the mojito, the El Drake, was uh, we used cachaça. Sir Francis Drake used to do the little triangle trip between the you know the UK and you know Brazil and up to the Caribbean. And uh, his sailors between Brazil and the Caribbean would drink uh, these drinks called the El Drake, which would be you know cachaça with lime. 
and uh, Yena Buena, which is a type of mint. You know, and uh, that was apparently the, the, the first uh, reference to uh, a mojito. But uh, cachaça has been around, you know, f forever. I mean, it's the national drink of Brazil. You go down there, and uh, that's, you know, it's as ubiquitous as uh, tequila is in, in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, the, the main drink uh, is the caipirinha, um, but it wasn't always. I mean, uh, the caipirinha really started becoming popular in the 1950s. Uh, before then, actually, there was a drink called the bachida, uh, and the bachida was uh, not what bachida is referred to today, which is more of a frozen drink. The bachida at that time was more just a squeezed lime uh, served with sugar in a, in a big pitcher in the, you know, in the interior of Brazil. And then in the 1950s, somehow the Caipirinha just became popular. It started in Rio, allegedly. I mean, uh, it, it was probably discovered. Nobody knows for sure when the Caipirinha was, was first uh, invented. Uh, there's a lot that say there's a particular Portuguese queen. Uh, it was her favorite drink in the early uh, 19th century. But the, um, the caipirinha started becoming popular in the 50s, and then uh, the cachaça really started to explode them. Mm -hmm. Well, my my experience with the caipirinha is uh, actually at a French place in Manhattan called Felix. You know it? Sure, of course. <laughs> Go there to watch the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's so popular at a French bistro, but they make tons of them. Yeah, well, the owner's French and the wife is Brazilian. Oh, I see. I didn't know that part. Yeah. <laughs> they, they make good ones there. They so, sure do, yeah. So you have uh, several different uh, expressions here. I'd like, I'd like to hear more uh, about the others. Well, first, can you kind of take walk us through uh, what we're tasting and smelling with, with, the, with the cachaça? Yeah, so I mean, uh, so the cachaça is... Um, I mean, if you're familiar with caldo gicana and raw cane juice, it's very... Um, very similar to raw cane juice. I mean, you get a very floral, uh, vegetal type nose, um, and you, you get a lot of lychee in the flavor, mm. uh, a lot of lemongrass, mm. uh, and um, you can tell it's an agric agricultural product. I mean, you can you can yeah. taste grass, uh, right. and that's what you get. Um, and what we do is, um, I mean, we have about 100 hectares of our own cane fields. Uh, the key to making a good cachaça is, you know, you take care of the cane. You know, the rest will take care of itself. It's just like any wine or spirit. You just need really good cane, and you got to get it to the um, to the distillery quickly, mm. and you got to you got to squeeze it quickly. Otherwise, it will start. You know, it's very hot in Brazil. There's a lot of sun, so exposed to a lot of sun, it will start fermenting. You know, in the in the parking lot. Oh wow! So uh, you got to get it there, squeezed within four hours to ensure quality, and and then it goes from there. Wow! Uh, all natural fermentation, mm -hmm. uh, clean fermentation. And then we um, the, and then we distill in copper alembic pot stills, um, you, you know, the old-fashioned way, just like you with a cognac or a Scotch whiskey. Mm. Um, and then we then we age in uh, in old cognac casks. Uh, so how long would this one age? Months, about three to six months. What, it doesn't pick up uh, any color. Not much. If you if you you can see a little of a, a bit, straw yeah. hue there. Right. Uh, so if you put it against white, you can see it and. Um, uh, you know, the guy who does our, you know, my partner, so, uh, is actually a Frenchman. So when it came to choosing wood, he said, well, you know, he, he's actually a cognac maker, a guy mm. named Gilles Merlet. Okay. And he said, well, why don't we use, you know, my cognac casks? Nice. Um, and just give it a little polish, nothing that's going to alter the flavor or, or the color too dramatically, but just give it a polish, take out the bite, but don't screw up the nose that we work so hard to, you know, that fruity, Cowboy kind of knows that we work so hard to uh, 
to create. Mm. Uh, um, what do you call it? Fruity and what else? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know, earlier you said vegetal, which I, I definitely get that. I get a lot of lychee, yeah. a lot of pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and grassy. Um, do you? Uh, I remember being in Hawaii years ago, and, and before they would harvest the sugar cane, they would burn it and burn the fields. Is that something that's standard? It isn't. No, actually, it's against the law now. Oh. You mean it's rice? It's, it's law, and I think they just passed it in Sao Paulo. Uh, so uh, we actually, so our, we're, we're in the artisanal cachaça. There's two types of cachaças. I always say it's two categories with the same name, cachaça. You have the industrial cachaças, and then you have the artisanal cachaças. Uh, artisanal cachaças are made, you know, small batch Allen Beak pot still cachaças. Uh, and, and those you'll, you'll never, everyone cuts their cane by hand. So we have six guys out there, 104 hectares of land uh, cutting by hand. Wow. Uh, and it doesn't make sense to do it any other way. Uh, and you certainly won't burn your fields. The industrial cachaças or, you know, industrial sugar, mm-hmm. which is basically the same thing, they would burn their fields. Uh, they still do it, mm-hmm. um, but it's not legal. So I, I, I've never seen it in the past five years in Minas Rice anymore. But I, I have recently saw it in Sao Paulo. Yeah, it was it was nasty. It was it was many years ago in Hawaii. But you know, yeah. here I am in paradise, and it smells terrible, and there's mm-hmm. giant smoke clouds in the sky. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Too I don't great. even know what the point of that was to to get rid of some of the leaves. I guess so it was easier to cut or. That's exactly it, to get rid of it, because uh, with, with, you have your stalk, but then you have a lot of leaves. And, and so part of cutting your cane is you have to cut the cane, but then you have to clean it. So you have to get off all the leaves, and you've got to get off the top. Um, so I, I, of the original stalk and, and, and the plant, to get one stalk, I'd say about 30 35% is, is, is the leaves and the grass that grows around it that you've got to eliminate so that you get a nice clean pressing when you take it through. <laughs> I'm just thinking about these four guys out there in the hot sun cutting these things six, by hand. Yeah. Six yeah. guys, and then you've got to get it uh, protected within four hours so it doesn't start yeah. to go bad on you. That's just, it's quite a process. They work hard, man. I mean, when I ever bring when I ever bring visitors there, uh, that's the first thing I say is, you know, I hope you're treating these guys well because right. these guys are working their butt off, and, yeah. and and we do treat them well. They, um, you know, uh, they're they're pretty resilient, uh, strong men. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they they wear the hats that cover the back, so they're you know because of the sun. Yeah, and they can get pretty nasty in the fields. I, I was there with um, I actually saw him the other day, Jacob Briers, uh, mm. and 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 I remember when when Jacob was cutting the cane, he got attacked by these large uh, ants, mm. and it got in his hair, and uh, it was really painful. As I understood it, that was the other reason they they would set fire to these things and get rid of some of the bugs and vermin. Sure, sure. Yeah. Case in point. So uh, what's next here? So, so actually, that's, uh, that's called Selection Vergi. Uh, that's a uh, fresh select. That is uh, uh, unfiltered, unaged, straight from the still, still strength cachaça. Mm. So that is just a uh, you know, limited edition. Uh, we had a great software, a great harvest last year. We had about uh, five days in particular that we just said, you know, this juice is amazing. Let's just put this mm-hmm. aside and figure out what to do with it. And, um, and we released this year a... Um, you know, that limited edition uh, here in the U.S. Aged for the same amount of time or, or longer? Not aged at all. Oh, not right. aged at all. Right, right out of the store. Oh, right out of the store. Uh-huh. 45% ABV. And, uh, and, and, and we really want to show people uh, what, what, what LeBlanc, what Cachasse tastes like, you know, right when it comes out of the still, and then continue the journey with our LeBlanc. And then, as you will see in a sec, the Hezeri Special, what happens when we age it in, in new oak for two to three years. So mm-hmm. that, this is the new stuff. Yeah, that's great. Uh, this one here. 
So is this the same, but aged? It's the same that's aged. It's a new French oak uh, from the Limousine region, um, and that's aged two to three years in Brazil, where it's very hot, so it mm. takes on a lot more wood than, than you would in, you know, I guess, Nova Scotia or Scotland, where it's cold. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, aged cachaças in Brazil are very popular. Uh, are you they? can get them in all types of wood. Um, whether they they're neat or on the rocks or cocktails, mostly neat, you yeah. know, just boom, uh, rarely in cocktails, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all neat. Yeah. Um, well, it, yeah. If you get something of this quality, you don't want to yeah. put other stuff in it sometimes. Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Very nice. Are these, these are not cognac barrels, right? Those are, no, that's, mm. uh, that's a uh, new French oak. So oh, it is right. French oak. It reminds me of a nice bourbon almost. Yeah. The sweetness is so nicely balanced. Oh, it's great. Really yeah, it good. tastes great. Neat on the rocks. You can make uh, you know, a, a nice old-fashioned with it. Mm. You can certainly play around with it in the Caipirinha and, and, and do some all sorts of naughty stuff with it. But it's, it's fun. <laughs> so, I mean, that really kind of shows, you know, with, the, with our Celeste Verge, which is our, you know, our raw cachaça straight out still, and this, this after two to three years. And then our LeBlanc right there in the middle after three to six months aging. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that. The uh, the finish is really nice. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, we're gonna move on. We have a uh, fruit one. This is made with a fruit that I've never heard of. <laughs> Acai. Acai is a uh, fruit from the from the northeast of Brazil in the Amazonian region. It's it's kind of like a Brazilian blueberry. Okay. Uh, it's and it's very very purple. Um, yeah. a, a lot of people will eat acai in 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 frozen bowls in Brazil for breakfast uh, oh, nice. with bananas and granola. Mm. And I can tell you, you get it on your shirt and you're uh, done for. You'll yeah, never yeah. get it out. Yeah. Uh, but this is a, a fruit maceration, uh, no different than the other bottle I see behind you there, the uh, the Grand Marnier. You take the yeah. fruit. Uh, in that case, it's uh, the Haitian orange peels. In this case, it's the um, uh, acai, and you macerate it. We do it with lime. Uh, lime zest, orange peel, ginger root, mm. um, and the mm. alcohol is is Leblanc. It's the unaged cachaça, mm. and twenty five percent alcohol. That's delicious. Yeah, that's wow. That would be uh, cure real is right up the alley for this. Exactly, and <laughs> and, and uh, you know one one of our major uses for it is uh, in a we call it a Rio Real. Uh, you just put that in over some champagne or prosecco or what have you, um, or or any any cocktail. You know, you put a little ounce of that into a caipirinha, mojito, a margarita, or put it in soda. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's great. Mm. After dinner, this is delicious too. Just just as it is, just as it is. Mm. That is so good. So we want to talk about caparinhas and the proper way to make them. Yeah, yeah, and I understand you're gonna actually uh, you're uh, gonna make. Yes, it. I'm gonna move my chair away here and re- reorient, okay. reorient the microphone. And okay. A little, I set up a uh, <laughs> oh, little bar. Fun. It's a little, it's a little low, but. Yeah, you're gonna play the guitar while we're at it and play yeah, a little boss <laughs> So, what we want to do when making caparinhas is uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna start with some lemon uh, wedges. Yeah. Lime, right? Uh, oh, did I say lemon? Lime, right? Lime, Lime. of course. Yeah. And yeah, so the, uh, that's, what's the what's that's the trick the place here? To start. Well, that's the right place to start is get a great lime, and uh, you know, probably the most important thing uh, uh, besides the cachaça is to have a, a juicy lime. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing nothing worse than in the middle of winter having one of those limes that have absolutely no juice in them, and you're basically, uh, you know, there's just there's there's 
nothing's going to come out of lime. So you want to make sure your lime's ripe, it's juicy. Um, and the first thing you do is you, you cut your lime. And I'll tell you, very, very simply what you do is you, you know, here's a lime right here. You cut your ends off, mm -hmm. right? And then you cut your lime right down in half. And the first thing you do is you cut out that pith in the center out of your both halves yeah. uh, because that pith gives it a little bitterness. Mm -hmm. And then you cut it into eighths and then to, into sixteenths, uh, just like you have. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the point of cu cutting the ends off just to get rid of more, more pith? The same so, thing, more yeah. pith, more, more bitterness. Pith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All yeah. right. And, uh, so we're going to throw, uh, what, four or? It, it depends on your lime juiciness. Uh, for a good juicy lime, this. it's a half a lime. So that would be uh, about you know, eight of your yeah, little sixteenths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I got, uh, I got eight in there. Right, and then uh, and then you you pick your sugar of choice. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I have some. I have several here. We were talking on email a little bit about uh, about what what you like. I have I have the uh, the super fine sugar, which is uh, sort of the recommend. That's sort of the classic way, right? That's the classic way. Yeah. Uh, simple syrup, which would probably be easier if you're doing this behind the bar. Right. <laughs> right. Any kind of uh, quantity. That's right. And then uh, I, don't know, I had a I had some agave, so I brought that up. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> and I made a uh, sugar syrup, some brown brown sugar syrup, just cool. in case. Very cool. Mm, looks like it didn't dissolve all the way. Tubinara yeah. sugar. So I guess I guess limes grow uh, pretty plentifully in Brazil, huh? They do. They do. In fact, right behind our distillery, we have a lime tree there. That when you know we have guests, we just go and grab our lime off the tree. Nothing right. tastes better. Oh boy, yeah. I bet that is good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll do the super fine, huh? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's the traditional in Brazil. Um, you know, that all all the sugar is super fine, very powdery, <laughs> and just like when you're making sweet tea, uh, super fine dissolves much quicker and much better. Uh -huh. um, you know, the, there there is a big controversy. As a matter of fact, I just got an email today from. Uh, uh, a bartender in Brazil, a guy named Marco de la Roche, who has a, uh, a blog down in Sao Paulo called Mixology News, mm -hmm. uh, asking me about um, uh, sugar and mixing and shaking. Um, and the sugar front, uh, you know, one of the, the controversies is do you use sugar or do you use simple syrup? Yeah. And, uh, and the traditional way is to use, you know, the, the, the granulated superfine sugar mainly because um, not only uh, – uh, is it the traditional way, it's the way yeah. it's always been done, but also the granularity uh, takes out some of the zest and, and kicks up some of the aromas you get from the zest, from the peel, from the, from the lime. Right, just because uh, the grittiness of it will uh, extract more of the oils from the, from the lime peel. Exactly, right. exactly. Right, Certainly, right. The, now the controversy is uh, obviously when, when you're in the bar and you want to do some volume or you don't have time to stir or shake, uh, you know, you're a little bit more efficient to have the, the yeah. syrup. So. But they're they're doing it th at Felix. This is how they do it. They use uh, they use the the super fine sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're gonna add our cachaça. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, or so actually, we're do ice. ice first. Yeah, ice first. All right. Uh, uh, so you're muddled. You add ice to the top. Mm-hmm. You normally use uh, cubes or um, crushed ice. Usually crushed. Crushed, yeah. yeah. Usually, this stuff, you, you crack this, them. This ice out of my refrigerator crushes the, the minute you put it in the shaker, it crushes yeah. into a million pieces. So, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. That's fine. And now, uh, now you add the LeBlanc, two ounces of LeBlanc, which should be just right below the lip of that glass. All right. And 
And uh, and then here's where comes the second controversy: is do you yeah. do you shake or stir it? And Marco in his email today uh, pointed out to me that uh, we have a few videos that we actually shake it. Yeah. And he he pointed out to me that um, for the authentic Kuiperinia, uh it should be stirred. It shouldn't mm-hmm. it shouldn't be shaken. Right. Um, uh, m- my view is it, it's whatever you like. Whatever you like. Uh, it, you know, whatever you like. Uh, I think in this case, since I don't have crushed ice, I will shake it. It's certainly more efficient and it melds it much much better together. Not to mention it's usually 100 degrees in Brazil and it starts melting right away. So. <laughs> Now, would you ever consider straining this and uh, putting fresh? Sure. I know the traditional way is to is to to uh, leave all that all that lime in your glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I've seen a lot of people strain it and and add fresh lime, you yeah. know, for appearance or serve it up. Yeah. Well, so. this is this is the way I remember it from Felix, the, the first time yeah. I ever had one. Cheers. Cheers. Saúde. <laughs> Cheers. How do you say? Saúde. Oh, nice. Mm. Mm. Very nice. I should have put a little more nice. sugar. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna add a little simple since I <laughs> okay. since I have it handy. I didn't put enough sugar, I guess. I didn't. Yeah, you, you have two tea, two teaspoons, or uh... I did about one. I don't, ah, okay. I don't measure. I'm I'm bad. Yeah, right. I'm bad that way. I hardly ever measure things unless I'm making a uh, Negroni. Then I always measure. <laughs> right. Got it. You had a nice uh, Negroni recipe in your in your book. That book is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, thank that, you. That cocktail yeah. book is amazing. Yeah, Arctic Shasta. It's uh, it came out well. Hmm. Uh, Good 60 recipes in there. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, rightfully um, assume that you can only do a caipirinha with cachaça, but you can do a lot of stuff. You know, it, it can be simple stuff. I mean, it, it, it does well in, in something as simple, just tonic mm. uh, with the twist of lime mm. to, you know, just mix it with fruit juices. Caipirinhas, you can obviously use all sorts of fruits. Uh, very popular in Brazil is the Brazilian maracujá passion fruit. Mm. Uh, pineapple and mint. I like the um, you had a fig recipe there. Yeah, with honey. Look, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, actually, uh, we can make that right now. Yeah. Oh, you got some. Good. I saw some figs yesterday. I said, let me pick those up. I remember that from the book. I remember it had lemon juice and figs. I can't remember if it had lime. I think it had lemon juice, not not limes. If I remember. Yeah. So you got figs. You got lime, lime juice, uh, simple syrup, and ginger ale. Do you have ginger ale? Oh no, but you know what I have. This is a uh, simple syrup that I got. It's from Tippleman's, and it's ginger honey syrup. So I thought uh, right I'd use that. This is so much fun. I got a soda siphon recently. Love oh, it. cool. <laughs> cool. Take one of these charges and blast, right on. blast it up. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's so cool. There's a good recipe in the book that uses uh, that to put a little uh, foam on top. Uh, it's a recipe by Tobin Ellis from Las Vegas, if you know Tobin. Oh, yeah. I, I've never fun. met him, but I know of him. It's a drink called the Baciado, nice. uh, which means uh, joint in Portuguese. Uh, but uh, he takes uh, you know cilantro, cucumber, lime, um, and lemongrass and muddles that, and then he adds uh, uses his adds a adds a foam, uh, a coconut foam. Um, yeah, it's really good. Cool. All right. So it's it's lime juice, not lemon, huh? It is lime juice. Yeah. Yeah, let me see the measurements here. A quarter ounce of lime, fresh lime, half a fig cut into wedges, and a quarter ounce of your uh, of simple syrup, or you could use the yeah the ginger ginger, ginger syrup, syrup. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah and one and a half ounces of Leblanc. Honey ginger syrup. This stuff is really good. Yeah, so I think we'll we'll shake this one too, huh? Yeah. 
I'm gonna. I, I think this. Uh, I'm gonna strain this one before we put it back in the glass. Mm -hmm. So, uh, where else do you source these recipes from? You know, we got them from uh, all our partners. I mean, uh, there's no one better to get them from is than the people making our drinks in the bars. So, yeah, we're in about 30, 35 countries around the world. Um, certainly, bartenders in Brazil, and certainly here in New York and around the U.S. Mm. What are some good uh, Brazilian bars in New York City? Well, you have uh, Miss Favela out in Brooklyn. Uh, it's, that's a good one to visit. Uh, you have Casa downtown in the village. Uh, not, not a bar, more of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, you have Circus on the Upper East Side. A couple churrascaritas. Uh, a really nice one on uh, 3rd Avenue and 60th Street called Texas to Brazil. And then you have Fogo de Chão in Midtown here. Mm. Oh, what's the, uh, where's the sorry, West Broadway? Uh, Platforma. That's but, it. That's um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one downtown in Tribeca closed, but it, the one in uh, oh, Hell's Kitchen is still open, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you have in uh, Little Italy, Little, sorry, Little Brazil, which is on, was it, 54th Street in Midtown. You have a, a few, you know, nice Brazilian Three. restaurants at the name. Oh, uh, yeah, 46th Street, right? 46th Street, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of good places there. Yeah, it looks great. Oh, we need nice the soda. Job. We need the soda on top. Woo! <laughs> Blow you out the back window there. <laughs> yeah. Mm, delicious. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, figs yeah. is something I always wanted. Good. This is the first time I always wanted to try fig in a cocktail, but I never did it before. Before just the color now. looks wonderful uh, on screen. Yeah, nice job. Very nice. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and you can serve that up in the in the martini glass. It look, look great with a nice garnish. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, I won't. I won't. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But uh, what what else can we tell people? Uh, the the website is leblanc.com, right? Leblanc.com. Uh, we just uh, did a new version of our website. Have all the recipes uh, that are in this book. Yeah. Uh, you go to our website and and um, you can get a free muddler. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's is, cool. Just uh, key to the to the trade and uh, and get ready next year for the Olympics. The Olympics are in Rio, oh, August second yeah. to what is it, August twenty twenty second or so. Yeah. So uh, we're gearing up for that. We, we expect people to. Uh, you know, celebrate the games with uh, with some caipirinhas uh, and some Brazilian cachaça cocktails. So we're pretty excited. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much for yeah. your time. Thank you for thank you, uh, being so uh, gracious, and I uh, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having us I'll, on. I'll stay in touch and hope, hope to run into you again, maybe yeah. in the city one day. We'd love it. Okay, Brian. Cheers. Take care. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye well. now. Great conversation with Steve there. And as I said, I will post the video of that up on bartenderjourney.net so you can follow along with the Caparinga lesson and uh, see our conversation as well as hear it. And uh, as Steve said, head on over to leblanc.com and uh, you might be able to score a free muddler. And it looks like uh, you might be able to get a free copy of that cocktail book we were talking about too uh, on leblanc.com. You might have to pay for your shipping, but uh, you can get a, a free copy of this book and uh, they have a couple other free things. If you go to leblanc.com under store and uh, check that out and definitely uh, seek out this cachaça. It's delicious stuff. You, you'll enjoy it and make some caveringas if you've never made them before. Uh, be cool to do at your bar or at your home stay tuned for our toast coming right up and first i'll tell you again my name is brian vincent weber you can uh, find me on twitter at barkeep tips you can find me on facebook the uh, bartender journey page that is uh, just search for bartender journey on facebook and uh, feel free to give me a shout on email uh, my new email address is brian at bartenderjourney.net 
I hope you've subscribed on iTunes or however it is you get your podcasts. And uh, this way you'll get the new, uh, the new stuff as soon as it becomes available. I have a lot in the pipeline coming up. Uh, I have a lot to sort through, including we're going to be talking with some guys who are making a cocktail bar called Flyover right in, uh, right in smack in the middle of the country in Missouri. And uh, they're going to do a, a high-end cocktail bar. We're going to talk about high-end cocktail bars in smaller markets. So that's an interesting discussion. Uh, I'll be recording that later today, actually. Looking forward to that. I also recorded a conversation with Natalie from Beautiful Booze. If you've not seen that blog, it's a great blog, uh, Beautiful Booze. And she takes amazing pictures and has some great cocktail recipes on there. So that'll be coming up in a future episode. Oh, I forgot to mention, if you can get over to iTunes and leave us some ratings and reviews, it would be appreciated. It helps other people find us. And uh, you can leave five stars or as many stars as you like, five being the most you can leave. And write something nice about the show. If it helps you out, uh, I'd appreciate it if you could just head over to iTunes and uh, write a little something uh, nice. Be like Bar221 and uh, say something nice. Remember, the tribute to Sasha Petrensky is on Monday, August 31st at 9 p.m. in your local time zone. Mix yourself up a classic daiquiri and uh, raise a glass. I'll put up my my favorite daiquiri recipe on bartenderjourney.net or uh, or use your own. But uh, but do do that. And, uh, and and if you don't know much about Sasha, uh, do a little research and, and find out more. He's a very influential and uh, great man. All right, here's our toast for today. Here's to other meetings and merry greetings then, and here's to those we've drunk with but never can again. Cheers, we'll see you next time on Bartender Journey.